Hey everyone, welcome to Bomb in the AM with Scoops and the Wolf and the and the Gen Frank. The Gen Genitar. Genitar, mm. that could be a nickname, right? Yes. Is that actually a nickname or is that just an internet nickname? That was when I was twenty, my uh karaoke performance name. It's uh, Pat Benatar. Genitar. Oh, re- re- really? Ah. That's that that's the source of that? Yes. Oh, that's so good. That's such a good most people don't have, like, a good story for their nickname. You have a good story for your nickname. There are too many Jens, Jennies, Jennifers. Genitar. Oh, that's good. That's uh, so we should we should point out to uh, folks in the uh, in the chat that, yes, Jen does not have a webcam. It's not wor- She has a webcam. She owns a webcam. She is not inhuman. She owns a webcam. <laughs> it's just not working. Is that so what we're judging horrible. humanity by these days? Whether or not they own a fucking webcam? Is that yeah. a benchmark? I could be a, a Turing machine. You don't know. You don't know. There's no <laughs> way I can prove. I want to uh, uh, take a photograph for you two with, like, uh, today's newspaper. And yeah, the arrow. Just, yeah, just exactly. It's me. I hired this woman. <laughs> I'm just imagining you as, like, a sentient operating system now at this point. Like, it, the, the her thing has completely ruined my ability to just listen to women talk without seeing them at the same time. No, no. I talk, Uma Thurman sits here. That's how it works. Okay. All right. <laughs> it was a movie. So you've, you've given this a lot of thought, too. I like it. I like that this isn't just... This could be This could be plausible. I believe that you would, you would get up to something like this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for folks that maybe don't know, uh, you know, Jen, uh, her and I, you know, friends going way, way back, back when you won a uh, a contest through OneUp.com. A blogging you, contest. You blog won a blogging E3. contest. Yeah. And, and we were both was, in Chicago. <laughs> mm-hmm. You were a kid. You were I was, a, a I was babe really young. in swaddling. Although I don't want to diminish your career. You had the, as as the youngest person I knew... You had the longest video game journalism career of anyone I knew. So that's true. Yeah, that's true. I'll take that. Yeah, but yeah, so. we yeah we met when I was like, hmm, let's see. So you would have won that. That was, oh man, that was the beginnings of One Up. So I must I was still in college, so I had to have been. So I was probably twenty. I was I was twenty two, almost twenty three. Okay, yeah. So I was pro- mm-hmm. I was probably twenty. But yeah, so you want so what, can you? Like, what was the blogging contest about? And, and what you won was the ability to come out and cover E3 as, like, an official blogger for, for 1UP. But what did, what did you actually write? Do you remember? Oh, no. I think <laughs> I... I, I uh, it was like a... Before we were really doing top 10 lists, it was a top 10 reasons you should bring okay. me. And I listed my hygiene as one reason, I remember, which seems just disingenuous now you know i <laughs> so but i promised um to have minty fresh breath they would remember for minutes to come i think was uh, my selling point did you manage to deliver on that promise i did i okay. brought uh tic tacs and bubble gum I remember, like, part of what you did then was, like, basically just walk around the show and just, you know, you didn't have, like, a very, it's not like, it was one up like, hey, you need to write five blog posts. Or was it kind of, hey, you're here, just, I don't know, go do something. <laughs> uh, uh, it was more the latter. Um, I was uh, given uh, some menial roles. I remember um, I helped out Kimmy um, and um, who's it? What's it? Uh, She's still uh, at Ubisoft? Maybe. 
think. <laughs> Last and, I heard. Um, uh, uh, and uh, Ray, the PR guy. That was when I met Ray. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, not Serrano. Letta. Yep. Oh, whoa. Blast from the past. These, this is hard. I can't believe I just pulled that name out of the air. I'm putting you on the spot. Whew, this is where my I career is no gone. I had no idea. I like, I like to embarrass the seven, eight-year-old memories of my friends. <laughs> no, it was it was a really positive experience. It was uh, my first experience with having huge factions of the internet angry at me. So a good learning experience. And I remember why. It was because I did a photo blog with every car that was parked at E3. Not in the parking lots, but like promo cars. Like promotional... <laughs> Were you in all the photos? No. So it was just photos of the cars. I just walked around (laughs) taking photos of cars. I did not know what to do with myself. It was horrible. But but, uh, not horrible. Uh, uh, I remember um, the only moment I was starstruck that year was when I saw Shenny Jardin of Boing Boing walk by. And she's like 12 feet tall. She is amazing. She is an Amazon. Um, no, that was a really fun experience, though. That was the first time I ever sent texts from my cell phone. I was walking across the E3 floor, and I was like, if only there were a way I could use my cell phone without actually talking into it. God, it's so loud here. And I was like, oh, I I have the ability to SMS. And that's how I became the uh, uh, cell phone addict that I am now. Just, Just hammering messages into my flip phone. That's true. That's true. That's a yeah. hey, you can make a career out of that. Why not? It's it's what I did. No, and I did. I parlayed that experience into it was really nice. Um, I was asked if I would have any interest writing reviews for EGM, and that's how I got my uh, foot in the door, as it were. So, so you got your foot in there. To there, you you worked at one up for for a couple of years. I managed to work there for nine months before <laughs> right. getting out of there. And uh, our time overlapped. Year. Yeah. That's yeah, our right. time overlapped for a brief amount of time. Um, and then uh, from there, you went and, you know, you were doing a lot of writing. I think that's, you know, probably what a lot of people know you for now is uh, you become a bit of a noted uh, essayist. Is that a term? Is that It like is. A- I, I thank you. That's that's nice. Yeah, it's nice that um, uh, after <laughs> I was not known for my writing during my one up days, but afterward. Uh, yeah. Uh, yes, you've you know, written for Kill Screen. You write a lot for Unwinnable these days. And uh, people that don't even follow your uh, your writing work may actually just know you uh, or not know you, as the case may be, as the, the voice of Super Hexagon. Uh, That's you're right. The, you are the damning voice that embarrasses us all at being terrible at that game uh, on a regular basis. That is correct. And, um, no, the highlight of all that was, uh, what's his name? Uh, the creator of Invader Zim. Uh, tweeted oh. that if he ever met me, uh, he would punch me in the throat. And I took that. <laughs> Damn. As, I know, no, and I take that as like a, a huge career highlight. So I, I don't know if it gets any better than that. Jonan so, Vasquez, yeah, that's, that's his name. That is his name. Were you Googling? Yes. That's, well, I'm glad you did. That is who, that is who I'm shit talking. Not I'm literally really, the no. worst with names, so I have to Google everything. I yeah, I'm glad for cell phones. Um, just googling people while you talk to them. I do do that <laughs> um, at dinner. 
you don't remember uh, who you're sitting at. Yeah, okay. Um, hey, hey, look, look, when I when I, I'm 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 very I'm very good with faces, very bad with names. Like mm-hmm. I can pick up conversations and like know that I, I can you know recall things we've talked about, but I just won't remember their names to the point that when I first started uh, working out of the uh, Cars Against Humanity office um, in, in the last couple of weeks, I had uh, in like my notes that I have for work, I had like arrows going out from a page on my desk so that I would know who was sitting in front of me and to the oh, left of me and that's behind me. Darling. <laughs> and I and, and once I did that for a day, so like someone would like look at me to say something, I'm like, "Oh, that's Claire. I got it." And now <laughs> and then I and then I threw it away cuz I wanted no evidence that it that, that actually existed yes, even though I just, it. you know, publicly publicly announced it on a on a show that I'm sure none of those people watch, so I'm probably okay. That is a great office space, by the way. I am mm-hmm. incredibly jealous. Um, you know, I was really uh, sad to to move away from Chicago, um, and I feel like I feel like I left Chicago immediately before this sort of uh, little explosion that we're so fortunate to have had, where where everybody was already there. Um, making and doing kind of their thing, but um, I feel like there's a lot more coordination, if not collaboration now. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel I'm so resentful and envious because I feel like I missed all that. So, Yeah, Um, yeah, Chicago is one of those uh, cities that I think, like a a lot of other cities, has just more going on than than people realize. And it's just, you know, I think partially led by folks like Brandon Boyer uh, down in Austin is – you know, finding ways to give your your city its own identity that's already mm-hmm. there. It's just you know you kind of have to brand it and create awareness for that stuff, um, and well, then you know hopefully that convinces other folks to come out and. Uh, Brandon you know, himself up was up in Chicago up right? until no, like I, a, I gave yeah, him a, I gave him a ride ago. to the L stop after a uh, video game concert years and years and years ago. Wow! Uh, yeah, this is the first time we had met in person. Um, yeah, I didn't realize he'd ever lived there until he was standing in my apartment in San Francisco, pointed at a uh, Roto Fuji sticker on my uh, refrigerator, and he said to me, accusatorily, why do you have that? <laughs> and I just cracked, well, I used to work there. And I was like, because I worked there. And he said, no, you didn't. It was fantastic. Um, and I was like, did you did you live in Chicago? Yes, that's how I found out. And when I met him, he had just moved to Austin. And I was just like, why would you leave Chicago? It's the best city on earth. And I stand by that. Um, no, it's hard to be uh, collaborative or, or, or coordinate events because it's a miserable 11 months out of the year in Chicago. People, it is, and it's it's particularly miserable uh, right now. It's been it's been a bad winter. Um, and I but. But one thing I gotta get to before, because it'll slip my mind, because oh. I I don't think about I don't think about wrestling that often. But Alex, okay. yes, it it kind of came up to my head right now, and I had to just capitalize it while it was there. But okay. this is a big weekend for wrestling. Wasn't it was, it? it was in fact. How was that? Was it a good big weekend for wrestling, or was it just a big weekend for wrestling? Uh, it started out as just a big weekend for wrestling, and then it did not turn into such a good big weekend for <laughs> wrestling. Unfortunately, uh, as why? Why was it was it terrible, or was it just disappointing? Uh okay. So here's the thing: you have it, it, to start this off. You have to realize that uh, wrestling fans are perhaps the most easily abusable of all entertainment fans out there. 
You're like Sonic the Hedgehog fans. They're, they are like the Sonic the analogy? Hedgehog fans of sweaty man grappling. Um, oh, great. great. And Put that on your resume. WWE being the only company that really exists in America at this point, uh, they're kind of the only real major product to watch. The, the, whatever else is out there is, is generally pretty terrible so it's and or hard to find. Uh, so this weekend was the Royal Rumble, which is the second biggest pay-per-view they do every year. It's arguably the most fun show they do every year because it literally is just about 30 dudes in a ring trying to toss each other over the top rope, and it's ridiculous, but it's usually pretty fun. Uh, this year, it opened really well, and then the rest of the show kind of just devolved into kind of hot garbage. Uh, okay. The, 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 the match was won by a guy uh, named Dave Batista, who is uh, somewhat of an actor now, uh, after having left the oh, WWE. Oh, like legitimately? Guy. What's that? Like legitimately? Yes, he was in uh, the last Riddick movie. He was in a couple of things before that. He's in that Guardians of the Galaxy movie that's coming out in August. Oh, he's that guy. Yeah. He's that guy. Okay. He's like getting, he's like, be, we need a big beefy dude that can at least say a line. Yeah. And he's, you I got mean, it. he's, he's, he's Ursat's rock. I mean, he's not great, but he's, he, he is a big burly dude who will say the things that you tell him to say, and he's good enough at it. Uh, and he used to be a wrestler, but he, uh, he came back just for this and then, you know, is going to be with the company, I guess, for like a year. And he won the match and nobody is happy really that he is back or that he is doing any of this stuff. Uh, he is kind of there seemingly at the expense of other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and watch it. Last night, the crowd was really good. They were super into it. They were excited. They were cheering along with everything. And then as soon as it started going the way that it eventually went, you could see the crowd just turn on a dime. Like, all the cheering and happy chanting and everything just went to people just abjectly booing everything. Wow. Like, that, it got that, that, hostile that in there. When, like, people don't like the, you know, narrative twist that, that has been, you know, written for, like, this stuff. Like, do people usually turn on it, or are the writers usually at least, like, knowing of what people want to see, and they just kind of give people that. That's the thing. You would think they would just kind of go with what the people want to see, but a lot of this stuff is planned out pretty well ahead of time, uh, or in some cases is rushed into, a, you know, kind of a new direction when something isn't working. Uh, it, it's usually only in panic mode when they do that. Uh, in this case, there is a guy in the, the, the league, I guess, who is very, very popular right now. He's the one who leads all those yes chants that, like, you know, college foot, like, football programs and other, like, places are, are, are doing or emulating now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was not even in the match. As soon as the number 30 guy came in and everyone realized he wasn't even in the match, they just started booing everything. Like, it wasn't even... It had nothing to do with the actual result. Like, once the result happened, the crowd just started, you know, completely... Just, just shouting it down everything. But as soon as they realized that he wasn't even in the match, they started actively just booing the match. Not even the result, but just everything that was happening in it. That's great. Yeah, it was great. nuts. I had not seen a crowd turn on a show like that in a very long time. It was kind of insane to watch. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. And you also put up a... So... Uh... <laughs> Hi, Jack. Yes, the Jen? Grammys last night? Uh-huh. Did not Alex. watch those. Mackle, Mackle, <laughs> Mackle more, right? I was watching Mackle wrestling. More. I don't watch the Grammys. I'm sorry. I'm See? I'm teasing you. I'm <laughs> just I'm just joshing you. Um, you also put up a you put up a video this weekend, right? You put up an encyclopedia about Bastica. Yes, I did. I threw up a thing for a WWF Royal Rumble for the Super Nintendo and Genesis, uh, which uh, it was a game that I spent 
way more time playing uh, than I probably should have, considering, you know, a lot of those games are, are not actually that good when you kind of come back and revisit them, and that game is maybe not really any exception to that rule. Um, but so it's, it's terrible? It's, it's, it was it's a fun like, multiplayer uh... game when I was 12. I will that that is that is how I'm going to frame that whole thing. It was really fun to play with friends. Uh, it was like a lot of games from that time, not the sort of thing you would ever want to play against the computer because it was really bad. All right, that's fair. Yeah, uh, that is up on the site. Maybe, now. It is up on the site. Let's uh, let's talk about maybe some maybe some video games. Uh, Jen, are you playing anything right now? Are you are you still a video gamer? Is that still on your resume? I mean, I, 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 I think so. Oh my god! What kind of video games <laughs> have you been playing, Jen? Um, let's see. Uh, well, last night, um, I was part of the Castle Doctrine Alpha, so right. I dutifully installed it into my uh, Steam. Uh, so I'm gonna get back into into that, uh, fresh faced, uh, bright eyed and bushy tailed. I don't know. Had you, play, had you played any of that before? Yes. Yes, because it has been a that has been a uh, hot topic. Not an over over exaggeration to say a, a source of uh, constant controversy and discussion for all all sorts of reasons. You know, most recently to how Jason Rohr uh, believes uh, you know sales affect the long tail mm-hmm. and the, the quality of players that you get uh, to class and gender issues yes. uh, about the very design of the game. But uh, I'm curious if. You know, what do you think of the game itself? Because I feel like sometimes that, you know, obviously gets lost in a lot of these really interesting and, and definitely uh, discussions that should be happening. Mm-hmm. But, like, is, is the game itself, like, worth all of this talk that's happening about it? I mean, yes and no. Okay. Um, uh, uh, ideolo- ideologically, um, I, I feel very simpatico with Mr. Rohr. Um, I... Uh, grew up in a part of South Texas that um, definitely has the same survivalist mentality. Like, I grew up um, embedded in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find it weird. And I think I think he finds it weird. Um, I also uh, am a first-time homeowner. And so I have... Uh, a lot of the same sort of uh, panic or paranoia, and I don't, I don't think that's healthy, and I don't want to have uh, that kind of paranoia associated with with my home. Well, but I sent him an email, um, and I described to him um, when I would leave Chicago for a long period of time. Uh, anytime I would get back to my Chicago apartment, I would check it, like neurotically. I would uh, grab my trusty Victorinox chef's knife, you know, and stalk my own apartment, which I I think is kind of over the top. But as a woman living alone in a big city, and maybe I would leave for six months because my parents were uh, having health problems, I would come back home for the first time in six months and just, like, stalk around my own apartment. Like, that's... Kind of crazy behavior, kind of not because the stakes are very high. For they are because what if there is the guy? Yeah, in the actually, closet? The he's been there for high. six months. Yeah, he's, and he's following just... your Twitter account and he knows what's going on. <laughs> right, exactly. And so I would have that kind of paranoia, um, but really, yeah, the stakes are very high. So I'm I'm gonna be kind to myself, but that really is sort of like neurotic behavior. I, I, um, I think I think everyone, you know, like I remember when. Uh, Katie and I first moved in together, I suddenly felt a certain neuroses that I had never 
felt about stuff like that before. I had way less concern about my own well-being until suddenly I had someone else in the apartment as well. And then it's, you get a dog, and yeah. then all of a sudden, and all of a sudden, you know, I understand. The, you know, I think, as you say, some of the craziness uh, that you try and be self-aware of, but mm-hmm. you know, nonetheless, you know. And and I think uh, gender in that game is really important. Like uh, people have uh, pointed out that you may only play as a, a male character, maybe sort of a king of the castle. I don't know if that was like um, a little bit of a subconscious thing where you said you manly play. <laughs> did I say manly? You did say manly. I, I'm not. I'm not sure. You uh, mainly. I, I mainly you must, was what you were going for. I got that. I just. I just thought that was that was a funny little. little manly little... play as yeah. uh, <laughs> the fellow of the the king of the castle. Uh, so in in such a way though that um, the the wife and kids uh, who each play through, you know, they get uh, new names, but the sprites stay the same. So they're hmm. they're. It's it's really sort of nasty, um, but um, I I think the gender roles there are, are super important, and it's taken a lot of heat um, for having um, you know the family dog and the kids uh, all essentially being props. They're just one more kind of possession in the house. But I think I think it's hinting at something. Well. Uh, I've taken a little bit of heat for I would not take uh, Jason to task for that game. I think it's really fascinating. I know that he based it on his uh, father's own uh, Mm -hmm. tendencies uh, toward uh, just that interest and that uh, bunker survivalist uh, attitude, which, again, is super prevalent in the uh, uh, kind of kookily libertarian part of the U.S. that I live in. Well, um, I was mm-hmm. just going to ask it real quick. I mean, it, I haven't played it personally, and I've only read some of the reactions toward it, but the impression I got was not necessarily that he was trying to uh, in any way highlight or prop up that sort of mentality, but he was trying to portray a certain, you know, like that kind of possessiveness because it has traditionally been framed in that way, you know, in a lot of kind of the media and other things that kind of portray this sort of, you know, mentality where it is like the man, the 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 head of the household, the patriarch that is sort of takes this possessive mentality about, you know, his wife, his children, his dog, everything. Definitely. And yeah, that's exactly why I like it is because it sort of takes this uh, patriarchal ideal, uh, if you will, uh, to its most grotesque extreme. and But it also makes a game out of it. So right. is it making light of it? Like, And I understand um, certain criticisms. Um, I think it's really good that this game exists and plays out the way it does because it um, does invite a lot of uh, questions and criticism. And I really like the game... Uh, for a lot of reasons, but uh, if only for the fact that it, it does invite so much conversation and dialogue. So, and I think that's really positive. What's the last game that did that? So, well, And I think it's interesting. We're seeing a couple of games that operate uh, similarly. I think Prison Architect uh, is another game that is playing in a similar space in the sense of, you know, it's a game. And if you only think about it as a game and a series of game systems that you are, you know, trying to win or exploit, you know, it's possible to, you know, simply enjoy it uh, on that level uh, for sort of, you know, accomplishing a task or winning. Um, mm-hmm. 
in that traditional sense. But, you know, you, you, I couldn't play Prison Architect without feeling deeply uncomfortable with the idea that I am min-maxing efficiency of a prison system that is, you know, riddled with uh, deep problems in, mm-hmm. in the U.S. Uh, especially. Uh, and the idea that if you just think about the fact that you're playing a prison simulation, like, there's a lot that's embedded in the design and the reflection of what those people think about the U.S. prison system uh, in even the tools they give you uh, in order to to create your own uh, layout, and there was actually a uh, a great uh, critique of that game on Kotaku a couple of weeks back by uh, I'm not going to be able to pronounce the game's the name the designer's name properly. He goes uh, Mole Industria. Uh huh. Right? Sure. Yes. Sure. Yeah. So I don't Mole know. Mole Industria. Paolo, I think that's Paolo right. Pedersini. I probably just completely butchered that, but that's close enough. And anyway, he he did this incredibly uh, sort of scathing but also complimentary critique of Prison Architect uh, in which he tried to break down, you know, some of the problems of the U.S. prison system, how those are embedded into the design uh, of Prison Architect, or pointing out the things that it really needs to, you know, reflect or have incorporated into the design of the game uh, in order for it to be sort of the simulation that it's portraying itself to be. That's really um, and cool. I, and, and it, it seems like, you know, Castle Doctrine is is playing in, in a similar space there of dealing with very serious subjects and then applying game system and game logic to them. Uh, but then once you've done that, you know, you know, I, I think it's okay if you just want to play the game and not consider that. You know, that's, that's absolutely your choice. But I find it very difficult to separate play these the types two. of games and separate the two. Right. And especially with uh, Castle Doctrine, where you have Jason putting himself uh, front, you know, right in the front of this and explaining his personal feelings. In the crosshairs, if you will. In, in experiences, yeah. Like with Prison Architect, it's, you know, it's a game being made by two people, but those guys aren't really putting themselves out there and their opinions of the prison system. That's sure. sort of just embedded in the game design. Mm-hmm. I think the discussion on Castle Doctrine would be very different if Castle Doctrine was only sort of speaking for itself as opposed to knowing and having a personal relationship with the designer as a result of what they've shared uh, about what's informed that experience. I mean, and again, or not again, because I didn't say this earlier, <laughs> but um, <laughs> here, but I think I've said it elsewhere. Um, uh, Jason doesn't have to explain his game and he may even injure himself a little bit by explaining uh the idea behind castle doctrine as much as he has um because i i think the game does stand on its own um still uh, i think he reassures his players that he's very uh thoughtful and careful about what he has created um, so I do appreciate him for engaging with his audience in the way that he has. But um, but I think the game actually does fine without him interjecting, if that makes sense. But at the, mm-hmm. sa- at the same time, I mean, with the way conversations tend to go about games these days, I feel like if you don't, if you aren't willing to kind of speak up for, you know, your concept and your game on your own, there are more yeah. than enough people that are willing to frame that conversation for you. Right, uh, and you're in right. Pr- potentially and, and very dangerous ways. He he could be imperiously silent, and I'm glad that he isn't. Um, and I do think that he has laid off of conversation just enough to kind of let people have their own dialogues and 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 go their own way, so to speak, with with uh, interpretations of what what he's created. What he's yeah, I mean, it's here. it's it's not Jonathan so. Blow where he's trying to answer every single comment thread. <laughs> 
<laughs> right. So, no, I think that's a good point, Alex. And and I really, I mean, Jason has always been um, one of the uh, best in terms of most careful designers. And And I really like his work a lot. I don't think I need to apologize for that. So... Um, and if nothing else, you know, he's he's exceptionally articulate about his viewpoint, even if you, you know, absolutely disagree with even the premise of what he's arguing. Well, what's, what's to nice disagree about... with? Like, that's the other thing about a good video game is um, I, I sometimes I'm baffled because what's wrong with being deeply uncomfortable with an experience that right. um, that maybe um would be too much of an abstraction otherwise like like video games frame things even ugly things ugly um um uh philosophies um and and makes them accessible for a wide range of players like you don't you is it fun like the game is also kind of fun it's kind of uh, cheeky or sinister fun but um but if you take even a moment to think about it. It's uh, framing just a lot of really nasty uh, stuff that I think is prevalent in the United States that we don't discuss. Like all of that um, stand your ground stuff. I think it's just ugly, nasty business. And here's a video game about it. Um, It's really kind of an achievement. It's a feat. Well, and I think that's something that games more than other mediums can... Uh, engage with in a way that's that highlights what's so great about video games is the interactive nature of it that can you know if a game has interesting game systems you are then possibly going to interact with uh, an ideology that if you were to have just read about would make you feel deeply uncomfortable mm-hmm. you would you know you would disagree with it uh, but if it's a set of interesting game systems it allows you you know maybe empathy is the wrong term or, m- or maybe mm-hmm. it is the right term but it allows mm-hmm. you to suddenly become potentially uh, more empathetic to a viewpoint that you would otherwise find horrifying because you are engaging with it on a level that is much deeper than just reading about it. You are actually interacting yeah. with yeah. the ideology in, in a fashion that is not possible in, in, in movies uh, or books or, or any other format. And I think that's what makes games dealing with uncomfortable subjects uh, so potentially interesting going forward because it just allows you to maybe understand it on a level uh, and still maybe disagree with it, maybe disagree with it even more than you did before, but to to have a level of interaction with it that isn't possible anywhere else. But can that be dangerous, Patrick? Yeah, probably. Um, can that probably be super dangerous. <laughs> um, do we want kids getting this comfortable with guns? I'm just kidding. Actually, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> what I was doing there. <clears throat> um, no, I agree with you. Um, and... I think we're not there yet. I think people have written some about like news games. Uh, Mm -hmm. Literally the idea of ripped from the headlines, like making um, uh, issues of the day more accessible to the average player and taking them from being this total uh, dehumanized abstraction and bringing them into a space where, where they make some sort of sense uh, to a player. Uh, But um I don't think news games are there yet. I think Not a game like Wolf Castle Doctor. Video game industry. Oh yeah, boom boom. <laughs> Five thirty p.m. Cafe. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> that was but yeah. So anyway, like it's I, like, are you? 
are you having fun with the Castle Doctrine at all? Like, is would you recommend people? I mean, you know, I check I it just out? reinstalled it. I mean, anything that gets you outside of your comfort zone, I think, is a good thing. Uh, so that's one thing I'm playing right now. <clears throat> Interesting. Uh, Alex, did you have a, a chance to play anything this weekend? Not very much. Uh, I went. You played with watching wrestling. Yeah, I watched wrestling. I, I spent way too much time trying to get that video together uh, because my video output situation here is kind of hot garbage. Um, and then I also went to a Nicolas Cage marathon at the Alamo Draft House right? in Yonkers Holy on shit. Saturday. I forgot First about you that. You did. I'm actually astonished. I've never um, seen or met Alex before. I thought you looked like Nicolas Cage, man. Uh, other than the bug eyes, we don't really have very much in common. Um, so, no, yeah, I, I re- I've had more than my share of people come to me like, I always, I, I know, I've known that you don't look like Nicolas Cage, yet when I, when I met you, when I thought I was going to meet you, I still expected you to look like Nicolas Cage. It's, it's my own. A little own- <laughs> bit. I hate to be like the umpteenth person then to tell you that, but no, it's no fine. a little bit. Okay. It is my Aww. fault. I I am the one who has brought this on myself. So <laughs> you you have nothing to, to worry about. I, I I did this to myself, and at a certain point, I just kind of let go. You know, it was it was never. I, I I maybe used to get a little annoyed about it, but at this point, I'm just like, no, I did this. I made this happen. So this is my fault. Um, but yeah, so I, I went I went to that on Saturday. Uh, it was four movies, uh, which they did not announce ahead of time. The four movies ended up being in that this order. Con Air, Red Rock West, uh, uh, Vampire's Kiss, and Face Off. <laughs> What's Red Rock West? Red Rock West is this very little scene uh, sort of western noir movie that he made in the very early 90s. Wait, wait, wait. He, ma- he made? Well, no. He was the lead actor in. But, uh, oh, okay. John I was Dahl like, oh, was wait, the wait. When did he get into writing and, and writing and directing? No, 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 no. But it was... Uh, I, so yeah, it, it it took place in like Wyoming. He was like this, you know, drifter type who ends up getting mixed up with uh, a, a couple that's trying to kill each other, played by uh, the most '90s couple you can imagine in J.T. Walsh and Lara Flynn Boyle. Uh, <laughs> and Dennis Hopper is also in it as a crazy uh, uh, assassin uh, hired killer. And it is it so it it won a bunch of like it was won a bunch of awards at Cannes, and then it never got bought. So HBO bought it and ran it for like two weekends in like 1992 or three. And then nobody saw it again until some theater owner in San Francisco bought the movie and then toured around with it uh, in like 94 and made like a shit ton of money, apparently, because everyone wanted to go see this movie that no studio wanted to bother releasing. Uh, so there are only like a limited number of prints of it even in existence, and uh, I guess they were able to get a hold of one, which is why why they showed it. It's not a bad movie. It's just a weird pick sandwiched in between Con Air and Vampire's Kiss, which are like much more definitively Nicolas Cage movies, whereas that one is much more Dennis Hopper being super weird, while Nicolas Cage just occasionally yells things. I'm actually surprised that they uh, elected to go so action movie heavy. Like, um, well, it's part well, of t- I, tough guy cinema was the thing. Oh well, there you are. I don't know if you've ever. I pride myself. Uh, I honestly believe that I uncovered this gem mm-hmm. uh, for the rest of the internet uh, because I found it during my brief period when I was not doing video game writing. I was a celebrity gossip blogger. Oh, that's and, awesome. I forgot about that. And which is why I watch the Grammys every year. I watch it like it's my job because it used to be. 
Um, uh, so uh, I found this amazing interview with Nicolas Cage. It's a web chat interview with Empire Online, a British publication. I remember Empire. Um, and if yeah, and if you search for like Empire Nick Cage web chat. Uh, it is the most amazing thing in the world. And uh, one uh, reader of Empire asks Nicolas Cage for his um, recommendation for an evening of Nick Cage movies. Mm. And he's a weird. He's like, oh, face off, bad lieutenant. He, like, he does like a really weird juxtaposition of movies, I guess, because he wants the reader to have a night of his full range. Sure. And when you think about his oeuvre, um, this is really, like, the greatest actor in the world. He's, like, the best actor in the world when you consider, like, Bad Lieutenant, Raising Arizona. There are a lot of questions because he's there to promote um, uh, Skullface. Oh, Ghost Rider. Uh, yeah. Uh, what do you say? Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider. Sorry, I was like, Ghost yes, Rider. Except he's, he's from in the reboot of Ghost Rider. Inside a, a Ghost Rider. Man, they should I'm reboot right Ghost behind Rider. you, Lacey. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, he is so amazing when he talks about how the actor in in like these Ur villages was the shaman of the village. Oh, I remember and this. Yeah, and and how when he was portraying Ghost Rider, he wore like voodoo totems under his leather jacket, and um, you've seen the pictures he, from Ghost Rider too, right? Of him wearing like the the like the skull face paint and like the the weird like hair dreads. And he discusses that. Yeah, yeah. He, he wanted to be like this uh, uh, horrifying shaman medicine man on set and intimidate the living fuck out of all, can I say fuck here? Oh, by all means. Yeah. Living fuck. Living <laughs> fuck. If that helps. Uh, out of out of all of his co-workers, really, which is like not a good working environment for everybody else, but uh, no, that's horrifying. And he is such a mad genius. Yeah. Uh, committed to his art. Like, I have nothing but the highest respect for I think he is, you know, out there cashing paychecks, but I do think he's just wild enough to take everything he does seriously as well. And, oh, man, I got a head tip of the hat to that because he is he is a kook. I mean, he is a, he is a kook. The term, a kook the term I had coined and, and other friends of mine had coined previously was that he is our greatest living actor. And, you know, while that I, might sound like an ironic statement, it is meant with the utmost respect and, and, I mean, and, and honesty toward what that man does. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, uh, at a time, uh, Jeremy Davies, I thought, until... until until he got a little too Vincent D'Onofrio method neurotic. Sure, you know? sure. But um, no, I go back and forth on this. Who is our greatest living actor? Uh, possibly Charlize Theron or Samantha Morton are sure. way up there. But for Cage. classic uh, reborn old Hollywood, maybe George Clooney, but I kind of uh, skew Nick Cage. Like he, his decisions are interesting. Mm-hmm. Even if I don't always agree with them, he's really he's really just the most. I really appreciate that a lot about you, Alex. That you oh. um, your your commitment to uh, Nick Cage because he really is one of the most fascinating uh, actors. So there you are. 
I don't know why I said it like that. I was trying to think. I was, <laughs> it was a trying very cage-like. Think... Like, it was a very cage-like delivery. It was just sort of, you it know, was cagey. It, just kinda, it just came from the emotional place. You know, you don't know. You don't know right. where it's coming from. It just. Well, does. I, I maker, doer, thinker, uh, kook, and I was like, well, I should just call him what he is, which is an actor. So I was, I was settling on it as I said it. Actor. They're easing into it, letting myself accept him. As an actor, that's what that was. This best cage movie poll, whoever put this up here, I don't approve of it one bit because it's. What it's, are you looking at? I haven't been looking at anything. Someone it's, just threw this in, into our, the it's chat. in our It's in our chat. Yeah. Oh, I'm not looking. I can't look. What's the best movie? Raising uh, right Arizona. now, Raising Arizona is winning, which I mean, I'm not necessarily disagreeing with that, but no, uh, that's good. Vampire's Kiss is not even on there, and, and I think we all know that oh. is his masterpiece. Oh, I'm sorry. No National Treasure two, just the first National Treasure. I can't tell if this is a limitation of who made the poll or a limitation of our like poll system or the <laughs> raising just, Arizona, leaving Las Vegas. It went off the rails a while ago, Patrick. I've, I've just we can go back to games. We can go back to games. Well, no, I, look, happy, happy. To. No one controls what we do on this show. <laughs> no, no one in San Francisco is even watching this show. They, we could be airing pornography, and I don't uh. think I don't think Jeff would notice. Jeff actually I don't swears think he, that he watches our show sometimes. I, I don't believe him. <laughs> but he swears. Uh, oh, uh, remember me? I just played through. Um, I announced very publicly on I think New Year's Eve that that is my game of the year. No shit. No shit. Wow. Well, why? Why, why is that your game of the year? Um. It, uh, they, uh, 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 no, they. Best explanation uh, I've heard yet. Right. Uh, they. <sighs> so that that team of people, I think, created uh, just the greatest uh, cyberpunk universe. Uh, I think I've seen in at least the last ten years. It's a fine place to not quite inhabit since it's such a set. Um, but, uh, it could have been such an amazing point and click adventure game totally. if they hadn't tried to graft on, uh, right. So much, um, uh, the platforming is a shit stain. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are exactly divided on, um, the fighting. Uh, Ben Kachera said that he loves the fighting and remember me, which I loved, I loved it in theory. Like when I, when right. I first started engaging with it and the idea of uh, creating your own combos, mm-hmm. it, it sounds like it, it should be like it on paper. It sounds great. And then it's just so limited in what you can actually do with it in terms of practical application. And it's, it's just, it's one, it's an idea that you would, you feel like could make a lot of sense in a sequel if they could get another crack at it. Um, but it was something I enjoyed more in theory than, you know, in practice. Yeah, that game. Really like did you all. did you play it all the way through? PK? No, I've been me. I've been meaning. To, it's I one did. of those games that's on my like. Okay. I'd like to go back to it list, but Alex. Uh, please do. Um, I was talking on Twitter recently, so I love um, Neelan. I assume that's mm-hmm. how it's pronounced in the English one. Uh, we played it in French mm-hmm. because we're pretentious. No, uh, because everyone um, I spoke to said to play it in French. It really helps the writing. <laughs> and it does. It makes the writing sound very romantic. I went back and I... played a couple of the first chapters with the French dialogue on, and I agree, yes, it, like the voice acting is considerably better. Right. Um, better or you just don't know the difference, which is the same you know, for... It's a more emotive. For me. I, it seems like it's a, the, the actors seem more into it, I think, than, than the English actors were. 
Madeline is an interesting character. Um, they, what was it? So I was in a conversation on Twitter where it was pointed out that um, Neelan is, uh, my friend Shelly pointed out, a uh, big shell event she's called on Twitter, pointed out that um, Neelan is very forcefully mixed race. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, uh, like, so forcefully, like, they show you her parents. Yes. Like, they go out of their way to show you her parents. Um, so it, it's interesting how much the game, like, smacks her identity over your head. But um, I pointed out that they get away from a lot of the narrative struggles that would come out of that by making her an amnesiac in the future, which is really, like, a fantastic way to avoid a lot of um, narrative explanation. Oh, well, she doesn't remember her parents, and she lives in the future. Like, so so, right. so that's a great way to uh, avoid saying anything, you know, potentially political. Um, but I pointed out in the same conversation, you know, they deliberately cloak the person she talks to through the entire game, um, Edge, Yes. And his uh, his identity ambiguity actually comes to bear on the plot in a really interesting way. And I think her identity, too, does come to bear once you do meet her parents and find out what they do for a living and how her family is fractured. And there's, there's um, two, I, so I'm split even on though that it's because I because I, for one thing, I really do like. I liked the way they sort of meted out the information about her family and like where she comes from and that stuff. I taste really well. I wanted the memory remixing stuff to be better because as it is, it's just kind of like just trying to get the right button presses at the right timing to do kind of, you know, like there's really only one way it can kind of go. So it's, it's not really that interesting mechanically, but I thought, you know, I recommend the of it was interesting, but the actual mechanics of it were not. I recommend doing the memory remixes with a room full of people mm-hmm. because it turns into one of those very good adventure game shouting matches where everybody has a different idea they want to test against the game and right. see if it's right. Um, and so I think the memory remix sections have uh, the same pitfalls that any adventure game would have. But they're also the most interesting parts of the game. Okay. So, yeah. I, I, like, I, I, playing solo, they were less interesting to me. Um, you, you need people shouting at you. That's clearly, what you need. Well, I, yeah. need, I need that in my life on a regular basis anyway. It's the only way I can feel anything. Um, That's mostly this morning show is me just screaming at Alex <laughs> until some until my wife comes in and just unplugs the computer, and then oh, the show's over. <laughs> It's no, but that, that game is just an example of so many things that could be so good, yes. including the memory remixing stuff. And it's just, I love that just anybody playing it can see all of the things that they appreciate and would do differently. Yeah. It turns everybody <laughs> into a video game designer, like a hobbyist video game oh, designer. I, that is absolutely a, a game I could, you know, there, there's an alternate universe version of that game that is my favorite game of 2013. It's just absolutely. that's not the version that came out in the universe that I happen to, to well, occupy. Well, and that's why, that's enough for me. Like, sure. there's so much potential there. I'm just like, look at this game that could be, so good um at the time uh, when i first played it i called it a uh, seven out of ten that everybody should play 
and I still stand by that. Yeah, I, I think would agree seven with that. is reaching high. I think some people could give it a six, and I would agree with six. I would not agree with five. I would not agree with eight. <laughs> I gave it. Um, I mean, I gave it our three stars, so that's a six, I guess, according to the, the there you are the See? busted ass Metacritic scale. So there you go. Um, there you, you are. Know, if, if I could have um, given it three and a half stars, I might have, but you know, we don't mm. have, we don't have that level of flexibility here. <laughs> well, and like you said, like it has all of these fundamentals just like almost down pat. Can can you can you can you afford that half star for a a game that literally gets no fundamental game mechanic exactly right on? Like it, it, it's weird in its badness. Like yeah. like it really does almost hit everything and get everything wrong. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like seeing a high. Sc- oh boy, I shouldn't say this. I'm gonna piss somebody off. Uh, it's like seeing a high school band play a beautiful original piece of music. Sure. Okay. Yes. Where I see it's what you're just saying. it's all discordant and it's all tinny, but in your mind's ear you can hear what the composition was supposed to sound like, even though you're not familiar with the piece of music. I really, like, I, I like, I like that comparison. Like, that is the I, video game. And I don't mean to call the long... studio a freaking high school band, but, <laughs> but it like, like this is a fantastic piece of music. These people are trying to play. It really sounds terrible. Like, okay. like that's what it is for me. Okay. I, you know, it's that that is a perspective I had not considered for that game. I, but it does make me want a sequel real bad all of a sudden. So I'll I'll, I'll give you that. You've you've at least made me Thank suddenly you. renewed my interest in the idea of more. Remember me. I would love to inhabit that space that they created a second time. Like, I think they accomplished so much with the first. I'm gunning for a sequel. So yeah. I I like. Uh... Ada Tree's comment in the chat, which he says, uh, it's like a cute puppy. You can't be too angry at it, even as it pees all over your stuff. I mean, I don't want to call it a finger paint that you leave on your <laughs> on your refrigerator because your kid did it. Like, it's not... It's better than it's, that. It's not, it's not something that you don't criticize because your kid made it. Like, that's... that's Almost that, that rude, weird group of French but... people is not my child. I don't. I don't need right. to. You know, I don't have to lavish praise on them just because. Exactly. You know, I don't have that attachment to them. Right, but I. Yeah, I. It is. It is a very cute puppy, isn't it? I do. Yeah, that's good. That's a pretty cute dog. It's pretty a pretty cute, cute dog. dog. Pretty cute French dog. Could grow up into a great dog. Yeah, just it needs a little training. The best time. dog. Our greatest yeah. living dog. Exactly. Wow. <laughs> oh my god. And. But, yeah. Does Nick Cage have a dog? Like, what would he name his dog? So probably something mm-hmm. related. Probably something related to Superman. Uh, Vegas, Elvis. He would name his dog Elvis. Possibly Elvis or Kal El. Yes, he, did, he named his child Kal El. So. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Um, That's a good point. That's a good point. Patrick, what have uh, you? Uh, what have you been playing? Nobody I, asked I, I, you. I, I was gone. I was gone all weekend. I didn't. I didn't play. Well, I played a little bit of Republic. Weekend. I played a little bit of Republic uh, on my iPad, which seems interesting. But what is that? Not deep enough to Republic. That's Ryan. That's Ryan. Ryan. Yeah, Republic. 
Oh. Uh, if you want to pronounce it with the way it has an accent. Uh, okay. But everyone in the game calls it Republic. Uh, it's it's uh, Ryan Payton, uh, the ex-Kajima uh, Productions, uh, briefly of Halo 4. Yeah. Uh, then kickstarted uh, his game. Um, it's uh, Basically, it tries to make a, a big-budget uh, stealth game uh, on an iPad with touch controls. Uh, so, you know, the way that game would work or not work uh, is if you're actually able to get uh, Hope, who's the main character, uh, around the environment uh, to your satisfaction because you don't have direct control over her. And I find that works in the like 30 minutes I played uh, pretty well, uh, but not uh, super great because two different times uh, she would kind of get confused at the corner that she's in and she would just stand up and then walk to another part of the wall even though I, wasn't, I was not directing her to do that. Uh, but when it does work, it works, it works just enough that you, I, like, I really want to keep playing and see, see more of how it, uh, yeah. it plays out. Uh, and the fact that one of the game's collectibles are uh, makeshift Atari 2600 cartridges hey. that you that you pickpocket off of the, the characters in the game. And all of the cartridges are uh, different, uh, popular, or interesting games right. in the App Store. Um, Super Hexagon in the, has a cartridge in that game. Somebody yeah, the first one that came across was... In, uh, Infinity Blade, uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's Super Hexagon and probably games like, you know, Sword and Sorcery. But it, it also has a link in your inventory to the App Store for you to go buy it, which I, you oh. know, it you know it breaks the the atmosphere a little bit, but I thought was kind of a no, cool way. No, that's like a sweet to... endorsement directly yeah. from uh, the developer. That's kind yeah. Of sweet. So I thought I thought that I thought that was a, a neat way to kind of uh, pimp some of the games that because it's like people like their collectibles and you know that's an other, another reason to explore the the pickpocket uh, mechanic that the, the game has rather than just taking everyone out yeah uh, but so I'm, I'm looking I'm looking into that uh, I want to play more of it uh, but I just I, I I ended up mostly just uh, drinking with my brother this weekend so oh, never good. in a position to good. Uh, to do much of game how's, playing but how's the rock star life I did no more rock star life. Yeah. No more rock star life. Yeah. He's he's settling down. He's getting an apartment in Chicago. Good. So he's, uh, he's going to school for business. So cool. He's doing all right. I, he's seen more of the world than I will ever see. I left out the game that I actually did play this weekend, and that is mm-hmm. uh, Red Shirt. Oh, yeah. How is that? I've heard a lot of interesting things about that game. It is, well, uh, um, point blank, it is fantastic. It is, a lot of people compare it to Dave Eggers' The Circle in a good way. Okay. Because uh, I've heard way a lot better. of mixed things about that book. It's uh, way better than The Circle. Okay. I read The Circle. I plan to write a review of The Circle. I have a half-written review of The Circle. You know what? Just don't even bother with all of that. Play Redshirt. Okay. Um, it is fantastic. It is funny. It is sinister. It is one of the nastiest pieces of work I have ever Ooh. played. It is fantastic. Can you, can um, you set up more. a little bit about what, about what it actually is yeah, for, sure. for folks? Um, you uh, work on a spaceship, but uh, as in the circle, uh, one of the huge uh, demands of your job is to d- dedicate a certain amount of time each day um, to your Facebook profile. Okay. Um, to work your ranks, uh, the goal, the end game is to, uh, get yourself off of, uh, whatever spaceship you're working on because it's probably going to blow up in 160 days. You need a ticket off that, off that joint. Um, so, uh, with your space book, uh, the idea of the game is to finesse 
your social interactions. So you might like strike up a friendship with your boss, maybe date your boss, all in the hopes of working your way up the rungs of the social uh, employment ladder so that you can get off of the spaceship faster. Um, you might ditch lower ranking friends who are starting to pester you on Facebook. Um, it is nasty. What I noticed um, by from playing it with other people next to me where we were inhabiting our separate worlds um, is that it seems like people tend to play that game uh, the same way they actually approach uh, social media in their own lives. Hmm. So <clears throat> I was like, taking people to dinner before I would befriend them on Facebook. And I would, uh, I don't know. I, I feel like, I feel like my playthrough was a lot less, uh, uh, grim and, and devious than it could have been. Um, I feel like, but you I, saw, you saw the potential there to be a lot, <laughs> a lot nasty. Pardon me. Yeah. I feel like I could have been like a much more sinister, uh, Machiavellian player. Um, and I appreciated that I was able to outlast the game and get off of the spaceship w uh, without without that. Okay. I should check that out. I, I remember I read uh, Danielle Rando. Rand I, I don't know how to pronounce her last name. I'm sorry, Danielle. Uh, her, her review over on Polygon of, of that game. You got I, it. That was yeah. the... Uh, that, that That's the only thing I've read about that game, but it made it sound really interesting, so I, I still need to it check is. that out. It's it's fun if barely. It's okay. it's a lot of um plate spinning your friendships. Um if you start dedicating yourself to a lot of quiet time, mm -hmm. uh which I wrote on Twitter uh last night or two nights ago, I needed to dedicate myself to quiet time in order to achieve sort of a win state. Um my Facebook friends felt neglected. Oh, did no. not Right. So, and it's like uh, real life enough in that way. And, um, sorry, I was petting my dog and lost my thought. That's all it takes. Um, it, it, it's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a really fascinating game. Um, okay. um, it's engaging. Uh, it is fun. Somebody said to me, but is it fun? And I joked, well, um, you know, we as game critics try to avoid uh, words and concepts like fun. But yeah, it is fun. It's a lot of fun. But uh, it's fun even as it induces uh, this horrible anxiety that comes of, I call it stove checking your Facebook wall. Mm. You know, and, and maybe you're like deleting things from people who don't like you anymore in an effort to uh, preserve your reputation. So you do have to like check on and you have to constantly check this inbox and kind of prioritize who you're going to reply to. And, oh, is that person getting um, enough mad at me? Like maybe I should reply to them now and kind of handle this uh, floundering friendship with this person. Or maybe what I need is fewer friends. And so you're um, 
it's a sim. It's a relationship sim where you're managing all of these weird. Oh God! And it, it's really ugly, is what it is. Like, can I can I play their version of Facebook the way I play actual Facebook, which is have hundreds feel, of friends and then only use it to poke the same four people every day? I feel yes. Okay. Because that is essentially what I was doing, and it was really funny to me because I don't uh, I don't use Facebook anymore. And I like using Twitter. I know there are a lot of people who use Facebook solely and avoid Twitter. And I think that's fair. I think, I think, I appreciate people who don't. That's another thing. (laughs) Somebody asked me if uh, the game neatly straddled the introvert-extrovert divide. I think Mm -hmm. Twitter is very much an extrovert uh, broadcasting platform. And sometimes I do feel extroverted. Um, but, um, uh, and I avoid Facebook. Um, I avoid intimacy is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, and I thought... Tell us more, Jen. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> but um, no, and uh, somebody asked me, and I, I agreed, yes, that was a thing that I felt while I was playing the game, was that it um, neatly straddled that divide and accounted for the fact that yeah, people people are of um, both stripes, and you need to account for all your friends, sort of a thing. It's it's a very stressful game. Who wants to account for all their friends? It's it's a horror. I mean, I, I certainly really don't want to do that in real life. So, absolutely not. So, but it does seem like it's possible if you, you know, if you carry yourself a certain way on you know a social platform like Facebook. Games like that are an opportunity to, you know, act completely contrary to how you do act in real life to get a sense of maybe how that might play out if, you know, the simulation is, you know, remotely accurate or uh, or interesting when, when prodded that way. But, you know, it can provide a way to see, well, what if I handled stuff this way in the future uh, and kind of see how see how that works? It's um, it's really fascinating. I think it's a. Uh a lot more complicated than it feels at first blush. And I think it would be, yeah, an accurate uh, simulation of, well, if I behave in this way, what would come of that? No, absolutely. It's, uh, I think, every bit as complicated or as complex as, like, a football sim. But yeah. with Facebook. Very cool. It's really, Interesting. it's really upsetting. I, and it's funny. It's upsetting and it's funny and it's engaging. I would call it fun. Upsetting right. funny is generally my kind of funny, so I will I See? will definitely check that out. You'll love it. You'll okay. love it. I'm in. All right. Well, b- before we before we close out the show, oh, uh, one of the big one of the, the big pieces of news that came out this morning uh, that I want to make sure we mentioned and and you know briefly got uh, some of our takes on it is that you know Microsoft has formally acquired uh, the Gears of War. Uh, IP from uh, Epic Games Uh, and now there is a new Gears of War game being made at Black Tusk Uh, there is a teaser trailer for a Black Tusk game shown last year at E3 that I actually just think Phil Spencer is lying when he says that wasn't a game and my guess is once they acquired Gears of War they just decided to assign uh, Black Tusk to making that game otherwise what have those guys been doing for all this time Uh, but uh, um uh, Rod Ferguson, who was the you know the lead producer on that game over at Epic, uh, went over to 2K uh, to uh, 
uh, form a studio there. Uh, and then if you believe uh, some of the uh, the rumors that were coming out, uh, Superannuation on Twitter, who is uh-huh. extremely reliable when he chooses <laughs> to uh, talk about some of this stuff. Yes. He had sort of deduced that uh, Rod Ferguson was probably working on uh, Mafia 3. And uh. I feel like Rod probably looked at that and went, I can do better, and, and uh, it's so now he's uh, up in I think Vancouver or Toronto. I'm not sure. They're in Canada, uh, working on uh, a brand new Gears of War game. That uh, it sounds like it's probably pretty early uh, that we're not going to see this game for a little while yet. But I would fucking uh, hope Alex, not, considering I'm, I'm how many Gears of you... War games we've gotten recently. Yeah. Uh, so, Al, what do you think? Well, like, do you have sort of a, a gut check response to this, Alex? Uh, for me, it, it's two things. One, Microsoft buying Gears of War makes the most sense because that is one of their main franchises, yes. and it wasn't even something that they, you know, I mean, obviously they own the rights to the franchise, but they they still had to work with Epic on that stuff. So, just taking that out of the equation makes a degree of sense. I think the bigger and more interesting thing is, okay, well, there was all this to do made about Rob Ferguson, you know, going to 2K and sort of being this, you know, closer kind of guy, the sort of person who can help get games shipped and out the damn door. Uh, for him to bolt this soon after that relationship was was formed leads me to believe that that is a bigger issue at 2K, perhaps, than even he had realized going in. Uh you know, him going to work on Gears of War is not that surprising or crazy or, you know, insane in any particular way. It's like, okay, yeah, that's a franchise he's familiar with, and now he can kind of, you know, go oversee that under the, the, the you know, the umbrella of Microsoft. Just the idea of, like, you know, they were going to give him his own damn studio, basically. They gave him his own damn studio in, in Marin, and now he's just like, nah, I'm out. And that's that's kind of crazy when you think about it, that someone just gave this yeah. dude a studio and suddenly he's like, nah, I'm good. I'm out. I mean, but if you if you if you if we you know choose to believe, uh, you know, some of the rumors that were floating around and take them as as fact, like if you if you think of it as, oh, here's your own studio, go make your own new IP. And then eh, we'd like you to make Mafia three. Like, Whoa, you know, that's fellas. Yes, Jen. It's not jazz jackrabbit anymore. That's fair. <laughs> no, no, I, that did, literally did not mean anything. Yeah. I just thought that would be fun to say. But <laughs> it's true. But it's true. Um, am I misremembering Cliff? Cliff? Cliffy B? Mm-hmm. Yes. He yep. he already uh, uh, flew the coop. Right? Yeah. Yeah. One of the things with so, Epic has has been whether they're act. You know, how much are they going to continue to be a game maker since they had a uh, huge. Um, Interest from the what's the the Chinese outfit that you know acquired like a forty percent stake in in their company. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the thoughts has been that that Epic is going to get out of game making, which is why you saw a big talent exodus when there was kind of a big t- payday uh, for Epic. I mean, uh, after Gears of War three shipped. Um, exactly. I mean, regardless, um, uh, when the auteur, the face of your successful franchise heads out. Um, I, 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 I see why maybe you would um, put a successful franchise into maybe from your perspective, abler hands, right, than the mm-hmm. people remaining at your studio. 
And I mean, I hope that I would work, if I worked at a studio, I would hope that it would stay in the studio and someone would be like, these hands, also able. But I mean, no, it makes sense that you would just hand it over to Microsoft. That makes sense. So I... I mm, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be mm, interesting. I, I, think it make, I think it makes sense uh, for Microsoft to acquire that, but also, uh, you know, I certainly would like to see more new ideas from them uh, with, the, with the new generation. Maybe that will still happen. Uh, but, you know, more Halo games, more Gears games. Makes financial sense, uh, but is is tougher for me uh, to get excited about. Even if I do, I do like both those games. You are I such would, a I'll... good commentator. Oh, thank How you. How did you do that? That was great. I don't know. I go. Hmm. It comes from hmm, him spending a lot of a lot. time talking to himself, playing video games on the <laughs> internet. Uh, that's b- simultaneously the nicest and the most insulting compliment <laughs> yeah. I've ever received. That was Alex Navarro. <laughs> And I'm going to no, use that, that to close out our Aww. show. I'm going to use that to close out our show. Jen, uh, why don't you tell folks uh, how can they keep following your work and, and what you are up to. Uh, if they want to learn about pizza, uh, I which do. I don't know how we didn't even get I... around to, to talking oh, about. But how, how can folks follow you after this? Right. I, I, do, I do have a pizza tumbler. God, I forget what it's even freaking called. Um I'll post a link later. Uh, really, you can follow me on Twitter. I recommend that you don't because <laughs> I'm prolific when I'm in a bad mood. Uh, but that is Jenatar, Jen with two N's, Atar, like Pat Benatar, dot Twitter dot mm-hmm. com. Um, I do have a pizza Tumblr uh, where I talk about, I take your questions about pizza. I uh, have fashioned myself as a bit of a pizza expert. And, um, oh, pardon me. I'm, I've been drinking a lot of coffee here. Uh, what's the best I, people, what's the best way for people more. who want to get a lot of favorites from you on Twitter to, to go about <laughs> Oh that? my God. Just freaking, yeah, it doesn't even have to be nice. It can be mean. Just tweet at me. And if it tickles my funny bone or is about pizza or is about a movie or musician I like, I'll probably favorite it. Like okay. I'm, I'm pretty fast and loose with the fav stars on the tweets on the tweet deck. You're a fave so, slinger. Um, I get it. I am. I'm a fave slinger. I, I, I try to be positive. So, um, yeah, just, uh, just tweeted me on Twitter. 30, 30 favorite stars are coming your way. I just, I love, <laughs> I love human interaction. Is what it is. So thank you, thank you, but and on the um, internet primarily. Yeah, um, and and I uh, I write. Uh, look look ahead. Um, more writing, not this year, but you know, or this past year, but you know, I I write. Be sure to watch for that writing. And okay. uh, uh, no, I'm I'm working on some uh, video game stuff, which is uh, fun. I wasn't last year. I am this year. Um, but I'm. Wait, aren't you working on a? You're working on a book, right? That's part of that. Oh, oh, you're talking about uh, uh, Brendan, uh, and Dan yeah. Golding. How do you know about that? Yeah, I am. There is a press I'm release. Working, oh, you were mentioning. You were oh, mentioning a press release. <laughs> yeah, I'm working on a book actually. Okay. Oh, we're talking about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, we'll we'll plug that before we before we take yeah, the show out. Yeah, watch for a book. Watch for some <laughs> video game stuff. I'm sure to write another article at some point. Yeah, like it's great. I'm having I'm having the time of my life. It's great. What's the book about? You got What's the book about? What game? Uh, I know it's a, a game, right? 
I'm mm-hmm. not. I'm not. I'm. I'm not ready to talk about that. I okay. have like right, a year, fair. Patrick. I don't okay. have to know right now. What is the book about, Patrick? It's gonna be about. I don't know. It's gonna be about this morning show. That's well, what it's gonna well, be. Well, thank about. you, Jen. And uh, what platforms <laughs> is your book coming out on? And uh, when can we uh, expect to read it? <laughs> what a jerk. <laughs> Uh, all, uh, all e-reading platforms, I assume. And okay. I think that's, that's your answer. There okay. you are. And that's a real answer, actually. I'll take Damn it. Damn it. This show, man. Perfect. This, this show is, is turned. Perfect. This is, this is turned. It, well, oh. we were just waiting for it to turn. It was just that one day it had to so happen. Fickle. This is the one so fickle. where it happened. No, well, thank you Jen, for asking Thank me. you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so and, uh, much. I am so glad. Thanks for coming on. To see you again and talk to you and and talk to Alex. This is and a one pleasure. day, Jen, you and I will actually meet in person. It will be delightful. Um, are you coming to GDC? Probably not. Oh no. Uh, um, I'll bring a fo- I'll bring a photo of Alex with me. Okay. And then it'll be we'll put him in his and seat then I'll, and we meet up. I'll autograph it, Nick Cage, and it'll be okay. like mm-hmm. really weird, and you can give it back to him for me. Perfect. Uh, awesome. All right. Well, joke. that is that is. We're gonna end on your weird joke. <laughs> no, that is what we're gonna no. do. We're gonna leave, we're gonna we're gonna end on uh, the weirdest possible note. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank Truly you. a pleasure. We will have to have you on again sometime soon. I um, yeah. And hopefully your hopefully your PC will work next time. Jesus. Yeah. Next All time. right. All right, Alex. Uh, what are you, what are you working on this week? You got anything Fuck, going man, on the I site? I don't even know. I had some stuff, but I kind of <laughs> forgot about what I was even supposed to be doing. I'll go find my list and figure that out here at some point. I, I'm doing some. Okay, things. you're gonna do something. I'll review some. You're stuff. You're gonna justify your paycheck somehow. I'll review some stuff. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm gonna do Spelunky in half an hour. Uh, I feel r- really. Sh- Shitty about it because Chris Remo beat the hidden boss of the game, which means he had a wonderful, wonderful That's run. That's right. Today, which, which means I am not gonna. It's gonna be bad. I'm not looking. Make this your make so this your you, reckless abandon run. Just go fucking nuts. Do whatever you can. Yeah. Ugh. It's so bad. Well, it's not. I really shouldn't have come at someone who has been playing for a full year. I've only <laughs> been playing for two and a half weeks, so <laughs> it was just really irresponsible on my part. But uh, we'll be back on Friday. Uh, Alex and I will uh, be with you again, and uh, Jen will have you on sometime soon. And uh, we'll see you guys all on Friday. Howl. <laughs>